0: In college, like most students, I loved to sleep. I would especially love to stay up late and then sleep. Sleep in, that is. And of course, this was in many ways problematic for my life. Because most days I had morning classes. 8 a.m. classes to be exact. And the thing about myself is that I am one of those deep sleepers. A phone alarm has nothing on my REM sleep. So all this put me in a predicament and I could have very well found myself in a lot of trouble throughout the semester, except I had a secret weapon that a lot of other people didn't have. I had an incredible roommate. See, what would happen is I would stay up late like an irresponsible teenager and then go to sleep around 1, 2 a.m. And then around 7.30, I would be awakened by the aggressive shoveling of my roommate. And maybe you can relate. When you're in deep sleep, in the middle of a dream, and it could be a really amazing dream or it could be a really bad nightmare, but you're in it, this is your reality. And then someone starts shaking you, waking you up from your sleep. It is the most uncomfortable, unbearable feeling ever. And in that moment, when you open up your eyes and you see your sibling or your spouse, your partner, or in my case, my roommate, you could kill them. It is such an irritating moment. But every time, without fail, something funny would happen. After my roommate shakes me out of my sleep. At this point, I'm uncomfortable, irritated, and for the most part, angry. But that anger doesn't last for long because when I turn my head, look at my clock, and realize what time it is, I immediately become grateful. Because although it was extremely uncomfortable, I realized that my roommate was just looking out for my best interests. And as a result of this, I was never late for any of my classes. We started this journey on a quest to answer a simple question. Which God Which religion should you believe in? And as we went through this series, I'm sure there were times when you felt confused, perhaps even overwhelmed. And I'm sure there were other moments when you felt a bit underwhelmed or even bored. The fact is, any question worth answering that has this many stakes can be an intimidating process. It's not a game and not actually meant to be fun or easy. And because of this, you might be tempted to leave this experience and move on with your life, never to revisit this topic ever again. But I'm sure you know by now that doing that would be a fatal mistake. There's an old saying ignorance is bliss. A lot of people like embracing that ideology, and I did too quite a bit when I was in my early 20s. I would often neglect to pay my bills throwing the mail in the trash. And for a while, not dealing with the problem was a lot more peaceful. But after a few times of coming home to a dark apartment and a few eviction notices on my door, I learned real quick that ignoring the problem and just quote-unquote living your best life, as the kids say, may allow you to feel good in a moment, but when that day of judgment comes, you might find yourself set out into the cold. Jesus is coming back soon. There will be an end to the story, to God's story. The history of evil played out for thousands of years. God sent knowledge and wisdom. God sent demonstrations of his love. God sent messengers to declare his love. In the face of all the cultures and societies in the earth, God called the people to salvation. He calls you to salvation. The loving word of God came to earth in the form of a human through Jesus. He became a servant of humanity and died for your sins. He then went to heaven and started preparing it for your arrival. And he's been doing so for nearly 2,000 years, allowing evil to fully mature here on earth. All of this has been predicted in the Bible, a book that's demonstrated its trustworthiness when it comes to predictions. The second coming of Jesus is coming there's only so much he can do to demonstrate his love to you eventually you gotta make a final choice eventually the cries for justice will need to be answered the bible talks about the process of judgment now to many the idea of judgment seems really scary they picture a god coming down extremely angry and finding joy in burning and destroying his people But the reality is that hell wasn't made for us. Hell was made for sin. The problem comes when we decide to embrace sin. If there was a jacket that had a deadly virus on it, and the only way to get rid of the virus and make sure it didn't harm anyone else in the world was to burn it. But then I put on the jacket. Is there any way for you to burn the virus, get rid of this evil thing that's destroying the world, Without burning me? And if and when you decide to burn me, are you burning me because you hate me or because you hate this virus and you love humanity and want to protect them and free them from this virus? See, the story of judgment is a story of love. It all unfolds in Daniel and Revelation. Revelation 15 through 19 tells us that the corrupt systems of the world, sin, will be judged through a series of plagues. Then, after the plagues have been poured out, the word of God will return and capture those earthly systems and kingdoms, and Christ will throw them into the lake of fire. And unfortunately, many people who are embracing those systems will be in the lake of fire as well. But despite what many people believe, this lake of fire is not an internal burning hell. God is not finding joy from people suffering. God does all of this because there can only be one kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love. The Bible is very specific about all the details that takes place during his second coming. The Bible talks about a strong angel locking the devil into an abyss for a thousand years without any access to anyone else on earth. The Bible talks about that during 1,000 years, the just are in heaven, on thrones and judging. Revelation 24. What does the Bible mean by quote unquote judging? Well, they are reviewing the history of humanity and of angels. This is according to 1 Corinthians 6 3. See, this is God's way of answering all the questions of those who have been saved. All the way from the beginning, God has been put on trial. And since He's a God of love, It is imperative to him that he gives everyone the opportunity to get answers to the questions of why things happen the way they happen. When we're in heaven, we will see the lives and choices of those who did not make it. And only when all are satisfied with the answers, then the city of God, the new Jerusalem as it's called, will descend out of heaven to the earth. Satan will be released and the second resurrection will take place, the resurrection of condemnation. All the unjust people who have ever lived will be raised from the dead. This is according to John five twenty-nine and Revelation 25 through 8. there will be a final judgment where everyone will declare God as just in his decisions and even the wicked will admit that their sentence is deserved. Jesus is coming back soon and this study is not to scare you or guilt you into acting but simply to equip and inform you about a God who loves you and wants to save you. The question is, what will your response be? At this moment, ignoring your feelings or what your friends or society would think of you, now that the puzzle pieces have aligned and you see the full picture of God, will you reject the lie that society has embraced? The lie that you don't need a God, that he isn't real? Or will you wake up despite the discomfort, the fear, potentially even the anger, and acknowledge the time we're living in and how time is running out. If you would like to give your life to Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, we can assist and support you in doing that by going to a pictureofgod.com. We can't wait to hear from you and support you in this amazing journey of experiencing the full story and picture of God. Hope to hear from you soon.